0: This is Tamarindo, Tamarindo podcast. podcast. I'm Brenda Gonzalez. And I'm Ana Sheila Victorino. This is the Latinx podcast where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. <gasps> Hi, amigis. This is Brenda. We're on spring break with new episodes starting May 12th. Until then, here's a bonus episode with me as a guest on the Unconscious Bias Project podcast from earlier this year. is partnering with the Unconscious Bias Project to bring you Be a Better Imposter," a live Zoom event happening April 22nd at five o'clock Pacific time, all centered around beating imposter syndrome. Registration is free and we hope to see you there.
1: Everybody, Uh, today we have an amazing podcast in store for you. We have a big hitter in the podcast world, Tamarindo Podcast's very own Brenda Gonzalez, as our guest. We talked about so many different things everything from vaccines to diverse voices in the creative arts to how we can really advocate for policies and things at the national and local level that will make an impact, to you know what we've been seeing is the effects on the Latinx community of this pandemic. We talked about moments of calma, moments of calm. It's a really fun and packed podcast, and I think you're gonna enjoy it.
2: Welcome everybody to the Unconscious Bias Project Podcast. My name is Alexis Crone, and I am one of the co hosts of this podcast, in addition to being one of the co executive directors of the Unconscious Bias Project. And here with me today, as always, is the wonderful
1: Lynette. Hi, everybody. Lynette Mary here, co host of the Unconscious Bias Project podcast. Also, co-ED of the Unconscious Bias Project. My pronouns as Alexis' pronouns are she, hers, and we're so excited to uh, have with us today our very own half of Tamarindo podcast, Brenda Gonzalez. Brenda is the co-creator and co-host of Tamarindo podcast, uh, which she co-hosts with Ana Sheila Victorino. She is also a notorious nonprofit capacity builder and podcaster. She has over 15 years of experience working with community-based organizations, Most recently at a national Latino civil rights organization where she focused on leadership development and digital innovation to move organizations forward. She earned her MA in political science from Cal State Fullerton and fueled her passion for civil rights and politics from her experiences as a formerly undocumented student. She's also a serial nonprofit board member, contributing to way, 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 way so many nonprofits since 2007 and most recently was board chair of an education equity nonprofit. Brenda was born in Puebla, Mexico, and currently lives in LA. P.S., you can hire Tamarindo for a variety of services from digital media to well-being workshops, and you should totally check them out as you're listening to this podcast at tamarindopodcast.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-I-N-D-O podcast, dot com. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you so much for
0: joining us. Hello, um, it's so exciting to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
2: It's always fun to have another podcaster on.
0: Exactly. Yes. Welcome to the wonderful world of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have to say, for our
1: listeners, um, Tamarindo was really helpful in. Uh, they actually, we actually hired them to consult. Uh, with us to help us figure out how to even get this podcast started. So it it truly is an honor for us to have you. I love it. It feels like attending a graduation right now.
0: Oh, that's so cute. (laughs)
1: Yay. Uh, So maybe, maybe, if they've been possibly living under a rock or sheltering in place forever, which they have, our listeners might not know what Tamarindo podcast is. And Can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Yes, so Tamarindo podcast. We have expanded what we call it. It's the Ta- Tamarindo um, Latinx empowerment platform and podcast. Um, I mean, it is just the podcast, but we do. We're trying to. We're doing a lot more and launching a lot more from it. But it is a podcast with um, myself and Anna Sheila. Anna Sheila Victorino is a uh, self-described recovering model immigrant. She's queer. She's Latinx, and together we. Talk about our shared experience being uh, w- women that immigrated to the U.S. as young children. But of course, we have vastly different point of views and experiences. And so we, we try to bring that into every single episode. And we, we don't always have guests, but when we do, it's typically someone that um, is doing something about Creating more representation for Latinos in media or in the community, or enlightening us about an important issue that the Latino community should be informed about, and we we try to build community through the podcast and through our platform on uh, on social media, and have really enjoyed seeing how um, experiences that seem like they're just ours actually connect and resonate with a lot of audience a lot of audience members and listeners. And so that's really what it is. It's a, uh, we once described it as a social justice podcast. We've been featured by um, Oprah Magazine and um, CNN for the way we talk about race and identity. Um, uh, Yeah, it's been really awesome uh, seeing you sort of grow,
1: really like explode in the last, I feel like 2020, even though it's it's one of the like, I can't even put into words how difficult it's been. I've just really seen, I've I've noticed, I've seen um, Tamarindo just sort of exploding. Uh, You got picked up by a larger group. Um, You had the feature in Oprah. Like, I feel like sort of Tamarindo is is going to the next level.
0: I sure hope so. (laughs) Oprah, if you're listening, we would love more praise, please.
2: (laughs) Does Oprah have a fan base? Is that...
0: She might be a little... She's, you know, I don't know, might be growing. I know. Maybe she's going to the next level. Who knows? (laughs)
2: Have you tried a car giveaway,
0: man? If you look under your seat right now, <gasps> if everybody looks under your seat. Uh, one of you, one of you, <laughs> does not have a car because we don't have that kind of budget. <laughs> if by car,
2: I have dust you bunny.
0: Meant cat hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dust bunny cat hair. Exactly.
2: <laughs> That's all awesome. Like it's so it's so cool to hear how it has turned into so much more than just a podcast. What was the first kind of branch out you did from? Podcast into other possibilities out of curiosity.
0: Well, I, I think it's really telling that it was the year 2020 that that um, folks started to hear a lot more about the marindo. Uh, it, it turns out that the fact that we needed to be virtual and apart opened up a lot of opportunities that we. We were resistant to before the pandemic, for example, for us, it was very important to be in the same room as our guest that went out the window with two thousand and twenty um, and and also we we loved that we had a national audience, but we would do a lot of in person events and activations in Los Angeles. Well, now that you had the opportunity of doing virtual events, it really allowed us to build community beyond folks that we can access locally here in Los Angeles. So some of the cool things that we got to do in 2020 that we probably wouldn't have done had it not been for being forced to think creatively, is we did a virtual book club and um, our first virtual book club book was the book Mean by Miriam Gurba. And for folks that need a reminder on media, Medium really I can't believe it was in the same year. but earlier in January of twenty twenty, she was the first one to to criticize um the book American Dirt that was written by a white woman and seemingly seemed to capitalize on on um, this notion of like Latinx victimhood for her own gain, not medium. Medium was criticizing her for doing that. So to me, it was wonderful to be able to have medium be our first. Um, guest for that book club because it was so timely and 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 it was wonderful just to get to talk to somebody that I learned that I admired. And we continue to amplify a lot of her work because it's fantastic and people should definitely check out Medium Guru. So getting to do a couple of virtual book clubs. We're uh by the time you all hear this, uh we would have already had our in um, not in person our virtual our virtual intention setting event which we did in person back in January of 2020 before the pandemic but we were able, were able to bring it back in 2021 by making it virtual and we were also able to have guests that we wouldn't have had before because we we were so Committed to being in the same room as our guests. So it, it forced, for, forced us to try virtual ways of having guests. So we had, for example, Maria Hinojosa, who is fantastic as one of our guests. And she's all the way in New York. And we, we thought that she would be only a guest we could have whenever she would cruise by LA, but we were able to do it virtually. So um, those are some of the interesting and cool things that we got to do uh, by being more creative and doing things virtually.
1: Oh my gosh. I am like, I had flashbacks when you started talking about, uh, was it called dirt? Right. Oh, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> I remember the explosion and the dialogue. And we were like in our own, like smaller group, we, we were talking, like I was talking with Selena. We were talking about like, Oh my gosh. Just again, like, you know, how, how like uh, so much of, and I feel like it's a still, it's a continuing thing of like, authors coming to grips with this idea of like actually you you can't and shouldn't speak for somebody else's culture not that you can't feature those you know people in your writing that's 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 not what's at stake but you you can't just like pretend oh i'm just going to create this culture of what i think these people are without like working with somebody who's actually has that identity or is interested in building characters with you For your works, I think it's still a very, very relevant topic, and I was so glad that you were able to to interview Guruba because, like, like Soul just came out, you know, relatively recently, and um, and there's a lot of discussion around that movie too about like, you know, it wasn't um, sort of people are, are talking about how, yeah, you know, black folks were consulted, you know, throughout some pieces, but it wasn't really built. Black from the ground up, so you see sort of this. Okay, maybe it's it's a spoiler, but um, it's okay. Spoiler, yeah, alert. spoiler alert! Everyone's if you, if, seen Soul if you by now. <laughs> if you haven't seen Soul yet, um, if you haven't seen Soul yet, then just just fast forward like another, I don't know, fifteen seconds, fifteen, a minute at least. But the main character doesn't really get to be black, like he doesn't see the meaning in his life until like a middle-aged white woman reveals it for him like, wow, (laughs) Uh, you know, I feel like it was a missed opportunity in the film, but um, a a friend of mine was like, you know, it's just because you had this expectation of that it was going to be like Black Panther, right? Where, where, where black people can just get to be black. (laughs) They can just be themselves as opposed to somebody else's interpretation. And I, you know, I think, I think folks are going to have to continue to learn from that And we're all going to have to continue to be better about um, seeking media that is actually written by different people. It's not just, um, you know, the same homogenous group that's putting out, you know, narratives of their own interpretation of, of our experiences.
0: The other thing that continues that that kind of came out of American Dirt is that since American Dirt came out, which was back in January, there's been at least five or six other uh, women that are that have been um, what I call fake tinas, that like to pretend they're latinas when they're not. Like there's been so many examples of this uh, this other disturbing trend of um, of people just deciding to wear other cultures for convenience and and it's particularly easy to do with latinas because like some latinas are white and so yeah. it's it, it, um it's convenient because because latinas can occupy different bodies and and in, in so doing our walk around the world in different ways you see like for example hilaria baldwin who is a, a white woman born in boston who for years has been pretending to be spanish but we know that when she's doing that to pretending to be spanish it's really to be proximity to to latinas and she was featured she was featured on latina magazine and obviously didn't resist that never corrected people until it all came out so and it's easy to do because it's very you know a blonde woman can be a Latina woman, and so she she went a little extra and dyed her hair brown. But she can't just, for example, pretend to be a black woman and just conveniently take that off whenever she wants. And and there's been a lot of it's it's absurd and just wild to me. There was also another woman recently. She was like the the, the chair of a a like Latino law law group, she was not Latina, she's not Latina, and and she got finally called out, and her defense was like, well, it's just a feeling, like I feel Latina, because my dad, my, you know, one stepdad was Colombian, another stepdad is Peruvian, so two different stepdads that were Latino, and that was her proximity to Latinx identity, And and she, instead of like owning up and saying... You know what um I have a deep appreciation for the way I grew up and I did grow up in this culture because of my you know illegal legal family instead of owning up that she's basically saying she has a right to claim latinidad because she, it's a feeling <laughs> it's it's just out, outrageous so we dive into things like that on Themany often
1: not only are you are you really current but you're also really upfront and honest and i think that's i mean i am not every single one of your listeners, but I think that's what a lot of your listeners really appreciate.
0: We hope so. We we do love to, like we really th- take as a compliment that we are authentic. And um, I think that comes through and which is probably part of why we are, we're growing and building our audiences because people connect to that authenticity.
2: The more clear you are about why you're doing something, right? The easier it is to be authentic. Right? Yeah, I think you're right. And so, my question is, what is that goal? What is that goal for you of the podcast? What do you have like a mission statement or anything?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, and I'll go back to why why we started the podcast. So at the time, which it's the podcast has been around since 2016. At the time, I was really finding a lot of comfort and and value and just joy listening to conversation podcasts centered women and often black women. So a podcast that I have to for sure call out is Another Round, which was a BuzzFeed podcast with two two black women. It was fantastic, phenomenal. You all should go down the rabbit hole of learning about Another Round because it was so great. And even though it was doing so great, BuzzFeed decided to uh, pull the rug from under them and and... And you could, there's so much more to the another round story, but um, I was feeling like, gosh, we need like a like a Latinx another round, like, and I really wasn't finding other conversation podcasts that centered the Latinx voices. I love podcasts, and I and like I said, I, br- I brought me a lot of joy. I felt a sense of community. I also was able to hear, a, a, you know, critical discussions around race and identity. So I thought, okay, well, let's create this, the voices if they're not there. And so that's really how Tamarindo started is just to amplify more Latinx voices so that we could also have these authentic conversations about race and identity. That is the why, and I think it continues to be the why. Um, and what I really love about where tamarindo is today with Ana Sheila Victorino. Ana Sheila is a well-being enthusiast, is how she'll describe herself. And and if you all look on our website, you can read a little bit about her. But. She actually was one of these overachieving immigrants. She went to Stanford. She got all the straight A's. She was fantastic. She had a really promising uh, uh, career in tech and uh, was involved in a lot of LGBTQ groups uh, um, in t- queer people in tech spaces and just a leader, right? And she had a an injury, a, basically an injury where she had to was forced to slow down for many many weeks, and that. Pushed her to reflect and and decide that it's important to think about our well being. And so, since that incident, she started a well being startup, and she brings that. That thinking about well-being and making our whole selves, like basically when we ourselves are well, then that makes us better advocates. And so that would be the mission statement for Tamarindo, is that we want to create community through the podcast. We want to have thoughtful conversations about race and identity and representation. And we also want to leave listeners with Recommendations and tips and ideas on how they can take care of themselves because we need them to be well taken care of to be better advocates for the community.
2: And how did the two of you meet?
0: So, Anna and I met, and she'll tell this story as well. Is um, something that we will incorporate as a result of Anna experience and expertise is this idea of, of calling in what you want. Right, instead of these goals like nor, 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 normal resolutions or like the resolutions that we're used to doing, she believes in setting intentions in, in who, what you want to invite and how you want to show up in the in the world. And so she said, she said, uh, set intent in, an intention that she wanted to use her voice when it was 2019. And a few months later, I happened to be attending a, an event, um, and it was all around pride, and, Lat- and, and Anna Shayla was one of the speakers. And I thought, oh, wow, I really like the way she speaks. I think she's fantastic. She's really has great command of, of her point of view. I need her to be on the board of... Uh, the, uh, the education equity nonprofit that, that uh, Lynette mentioned that I was the chair of. So my intention was to recruit Anna Shayla for the board. And we became friends, and I did get her to be on the board, but I also learned about this goal that she had of leveraging her voice in deeper ways. And so I said, you know what, why don't you come be the co-host of Tamarindo? And that's really how it started. And so she'll say that she called it in, so <laughs> and it's been great, it's been fantastic. I
1: didn't know that story. That. That's
0: cool. I guess I haven't
1: dug far enough deep into your your episodes to know. Well, you know, have well, you know we story. haven't really
0: told that story. What? So I think we should. You know what? Yeah. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna um make sure that in our intention setting event, which by the time you all listening to this, it would have already happened, but it still hasn't happened now.
2: I love finding out how people's, you know, friendships and relationships just evolve and gain these wonderful new dynamics.
1: Yeah. I love that you were just you just met at an event and then like suddenly now you're co hosting a podcast now you're like really good friends you have like a lot of episodes under your belt I was trying to I meant to
0: look this up earlier can I well get we it have a hundred, a, hundred, a hundred the episode that released that released on Wednesday January oh that's today Wednesday <laughs> January thirteenth was our one hundredth episode oh, so yeah wow congratulations.
2: Thank you, thank you yeah, so much. On the on the big one hundred. Yeah,
0: we did it.
1: Yeah, so I think like you definitely you you at least owe like in the beginning like here is here is our here is not not you owe, but um, I think your listeners would love to hear how you how you got to know each other and like maybe funny stories about what you think about each other.
0: You know what? We'll do that to celebrate the the 100th episode. I love that. Yeah, like
2: play a clip of the first episode <laughs> and just cringe at the audio quality.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to so like this is my first impression of you. You know how they do that for like for couples and things. Oh, really?
0: Okay, we have to try that. Yeah, like the,
1: the <laughs> what was your first impression of so and so and then you you talk about it. Like you, you obviously you shouldn't tell each other this before the podcast because then it's like really juicy. And they're like, okay, this is when I knew, like, we were going to do this together, like that.
0: How oh, fun! Yeah, right? that would be fun. We'll yeah. have to do some cool um, activations for the one hundredth.
1: Yeah, yeah. What we're trying to do with the Unconscious Bias Project podcast is to really amplify voices of folks that are being affected um, the most by uh, discriminations, xenophobia, and worsened inequities during the pandemic. You know, it's it's been a long time. Uh, that we've been in this sort of pandemic reality and that we've had uh, you know, an incredible uh, civil rights movement that's, that's still happening right now, Black Lives Matter. I mean, we're just, we're fresh off the heels of a uh, ridiculous uh, white domestic terrorist event um, on the Capitol just last week. It's like still, so fresh. Uh, we're in the middle of, <laughs> of trying to impeach Trump yet again. There's been so much happening.
2: Yeah, Hearing ongoing as we're yes, talking. Yes, ongoing
1: as we're talking. I mean, we can't get any more current than that. Um, have you had any experiences with discrimination or xenophobia or any sort of like, you know, needing to engage, engage in sort of a discussion around race or culture? I mean, we, we just talked about one example um, that you you had in in January talking with Miriam.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have not had any personal experiences of discrimination and and, um, anything related to the pandemic. And that's because I recognize that you know the privilege that i that i have in many ways that i'm college educated that i was have always had jobs at least for the last 15 years that could be done behind a computer screen um that i have i live just in, there's one family in the house that i live in these are all the things that shield me from a lot of the discrimination that and and uh, risks that are manifesting for our latino families many uh, latinos in the country do not have the luxury of being able to work from home. Uh, many of them um, might even be uninsured because so the majority of, of of all the uninsured, the biggest chunk of uninsured folks are Latinos uh, because they they work in fields where they don't have access to health insurance. Uh, many many Latinos were in the restaurant. Industry and right now are struggling to to feed their families. We haven't had significant federal or state aid that can that can um, pay for the astronomical rent that many people have to pay had to pay in places like Los Angeles. So um, while while it's not infecting me directly, one of the things that we like to talk about on the podcast is about our community at large, and and this is a, a real big problem. Like what the pandemic is showing is all the. Risks of inequality. To me, the number one biggest issue for the country is housing. The fact that um, reason why Latinos are getting impacted so much is they overrepresent in in out in the community in jobs where they they are essential workers. That's one of it. But the other part of it is that there's multiple generations needed required to be able to afford rent. And so when one member of the family, because multiple members of the family must must go outside to work, they bring back the virus, and of course it spreads rapidly. So th- this is what is happening and continues to happen. I also worry about um, what distance learning means for most of our families when you I mean I, even I myself in my little condo with just me and my husband trying to work from home, sometimes we interrupt each other. Can you imagine five kids around the kitchen table with horrible Wi-Fi trying to do distance learning. So that's the discrimination that that we want to shed a light on and we want it to not not just shed a light on it, but what are the policy changes that we're going to? to make, to to change this? How are we creating more affordable housing opportunities? How are we providing more broadband access for families? How are we eliminating barriers to health insurance? There's just so much that we need to do in order to protect the most vulnerable among us.
1: Hell yeah. Talk about, I mean, I think this is the the perfect, (laughs) the perfect two people to to talk about this with. Uh, Alexis is notorious uh, systems thinker and, I'm all about I'm all about the data, yeah. The the data out there on the effect of distance uh, learning on at least Black students and other students of color is just that it's it's just it's not equal. It's not equitable. There's so many other factors, you know, including in you know, access to broadband, like you mentioned, and you know just the the physical reality of having multiple people trying to get. There are things done on devices, right? Not everybody has devices. Not everybody has devices that are compatible with the different learning environments that different schools have. But also, you know, there's been lots of reports about um, how women have been affected, you know, really, really strongly by um, sort of the economic economic fallout, if you will, of the pandemic because we still live in a very misogynistic culture. Uh, structures as well. It falls to a lot of women to be the primary caregivers, and so women are leaving their jobs to try to help their kids go to school, right? Or women have to, you know, cut down on their hours or take part-time jobs instead, which is also really, really affecting not just households, but you know how how the kids are growing up and you know seeing this, um, and then just even being able to take care of a kid at home um, if you need to. You know, bringing the income, and you don't have that one parent; they can stay home and do all the education stuff. Then you have kids sort of fending on their own,
0: right? I mean, just just two days ago, um, it was reported that the U.S. cut 140 thousand jobs in December, and all of them were held by women. That is just ridiculous, and so. Um, yeah. So, do we have a gender and misogyny problem in the U.S.? Yes, we do. Yes, we do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for real. And you know, and, and and this pay gap is still real. And I think once this pandemic is over, you know, we have enough people vaccinated. Oh my gosh, so many fingers crossed. I think the data that's going to come out on, like you said, uh, job losses, uh, impact on the on the pay gap impact on childcare, impact on education, impact on, I mean, uh, domestic violence has has seen an incredible rise. All of these things are are really, it's really going to fuck us up. Um, it is fucking us up already. It is really, really hurting our communities, our, our women, and, and especially intersectional women. You know, anybody that has any intersection, whether it's uh, Latinx or, or any anything else, like uh, with a disability, someone who's uh, a, more an elder or has been in the prison system or, you know, is unhoused right now, or just any of these intersections are just going to see it all so much worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned the vaccine. We have to make sure even the, the, the distribution of the vaccine is equitable. There's talks mm-hmm. of some, certain states that don't want undocumented folks to have the vaccine, which is just ridiculous because the virus doesn't give a shit about your immigration status. I guess the, the takeaway is that we have to be equitable in everything that gets done, any sort of policy changes, and that this, this pandemic really, really highlights the lack of equity.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of equity, let's take a brief break. Uh, Seth's going to come at you with some messages, and we'll be right back.
3: Hi, everyone. This is Seth, and I am one of the audio editors and volunteers here at UBP. The Unconscious Bias Project brings creative, accessible, evidence based solutions for unintentional bias to academic, technological, governmental organizations, and beyond. We sustain a welcoming home for inquisitive and creative minds and encourage a growth mindset working by the model of 0% guilt, 100% empowerment. Please subscribe or follow our Facebook and Instagram for the latest in events and how you can learn more and be involved. Also, take a look and check out our guest website and learn more. Look for that information in the description section of your podcast or on our website.
0: Hello, listeners, we would like to tell you about Tamarindo Podcast, hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino. I'm a queer, recovering model immigrant and
2: low Gismosa that brings the calma to the show,
0: our version of well-being. And I'm a political nerd that brings funny rants to the show. Tamarindo is a Latinx empowerment podcast that discusses politics, culture, and how to keep your calma. Join us every other Wednesday as we talk about race, gender, representation, and life. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and at tamarindopodcast.com.
3: You ever felt like you didn't belong? Let us dispel that feeling for you. The Unconscious Bias Project is partnering with Tamarindo to share resources for Latinas and their allies to break through imposter syndrome with simple tools and advice on how to destroy false ideas about who belongs in our workplaces, boardrooms and classrooms. Our stellar panel includes Stephanie and Lina of the Bag Ladies podcast and Queen Victoria, National Chair of Flux, a national network dedicated to raising the profile of trans and gender non-conforming individuals through innovative advocacy and events. This event is free, but we highly encourage a donation to help us keep bringing conversations like these. Be a Better Imposter virtual panel event is on April 22nd at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Look for those details in the details section of this podcast. Or check our website at unconsciousbiasproject.org.
1: So we just ended with talking about equity. I feel like if anybody hadn't heard the term before, like wasn't aware, I feel like 2020 and 2021 are the years where it's going to be in your face.
2: Gosh, I hope so.
1: Uh, you know, you, we briefly talked about vaccines before the break and- one of the the things that just blows my mind is I'm thinking about, okay, yes, how will vaccines be distributed here in the US? How will they be distributed in my local communities? How will they be distributed back home in like my other home in Colombia, where, you know, thinking about it, everybody essentially engaged in this huge sort of grab all it was like the Black Tuesday, but for vaccines. So like, there's all these countries that, you know, had to pony up a bunch of money and also like reserve vaccines for their people. And like, well, what about places that are, aren't are as well organized or aren't as well resourced? Where is the who, where is the who, and why did they just sort of like, okay, good luck. Um, see you on the other side. You should definitely get vaccinated. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, <good> luck. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just the ramifications of how we're continuing to continue the the things that are so not equitable and not beneficial to our society, our like humanity as a whole, that are part of the capitalistic system. We just keep on letting that be a part of like our healthcare system. Um, you know, how we decide on uh, policing and law and politics, like all the things that are probably not best served by capitalism, I just sort of continue to be lumped into all that.
2: Before the break, you were talking about, you know, all of these inequities that we're seeing and how things are getting worse and unevenly during the pandemic, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. We know you're not the spokesperson for your community. But is there anything else that you've been seeing that you've been hearing from folks that's just also a concern and Also, is there anything that has been kind of a cause for celebration?
0: Yeah, and I did kind of go through a list of a lot of the concerns for, for the Latino community. But I'd say one more thing that is a huge concern and that I'm very hopeful that with President Biden... Taking taking um, office soon can immediately start to reverse. Is also what's happening um, in the U.S. Mexico border. So as many folks will know, Trump's remain in Mexico policy and a lot of other different changes basically had the result of almost eliminating our um, asylum program. <laughs> so people that do have the right to asylum are being forced and continue to be forced to wait for their you know their day in court, if you will on the Mexico side of the border. And then the pandemic has been used as an excuse to just further delay and further delay. And so I think folks should be reminded that um, there's a lot of things that the, the Trump administration did that hopefully, and, and this is the important part and where we need to come together, is that we need to make sure that we apply pressure to the Biden administration, that the promises made around immigration are not forgotten. And there's a lot of things that could be immediately rectified if we make sure that that, that Biden holds true to his promises of reversing some of the things that the, the Trump administration has done. I'd also love for there to be attention to the way the pandemic is, the virus is spreading in our um, prisons and in our jails. and How we prepare and react and get out of this pandemic is not the time to be thinking about um, the way a lot of policy is often thought about. not only is capitalism a problem, but also this like righteousness. like like this notion that people in prison don't deserve to get vaccinated or that people that are uh, undocumented or, or or in our uh, you know, in immigration detention centers don't aren't worthy. this that whole thing needs to go out the window. We're talking about human beings. We are all human beings. And I guess something to be hopeful about and to continue to celebrate is the fact that we did win the presidential election, that Trump did lose, that even though it broke my heart to see how many people still supported him, at the end of the count, we won and we won multiple times. So that's what we could be hopeful. Like I'm sure, like many listeners, Biden was not my top choice. I wanted Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> she's fantastic. Yes, yes. For yes. she's my hometown. She she's
2: my hometown hero. I'm from uh, Boston. We, so. I,
0: I, I love her. And unfortunately, misogyny is a huge problem. C- continues to be a problem mm-hmm. because. Every single tonteria, dumb thing that Trump does, I'm like, but her emails, right? Because because we couldn't handle Hillary's yeah. emails, we're in this mess and look at the mess that we're in and, and we, didn't, we didn't elect Elizabeth Warren, who was a fantastic candidate and, and had such terrible support. Misogyny is
2: winning, winning. I would ask people, do you not agree that she is the most qualified candidate? And they'd say, yeah, she's the most qualified candidate, but I'm just worried about her chances as a woman. And I'm like, oh my gosh you're just making it worse every, every time you say time, that every
0: time every time to hear it from from fem women and, and, and people that that like are happy to be you know uh, 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 they're trying to say that they're feminists to hear it from them it was so mm-hmm. hard, heartbreaking right back to biden he, the fact is that he is a world better than trump and i just got done listening to his um now i read books on audio cuz it's just more fun that way. And I just listened to to his book that is re- basically written to his son, Bo, and it was just so calming and soothing to hear f- from a person that I think evokes empathy and good judgment. I'm hopeful for that. Let's just, just remember that we did not reelect Trump and we should hold on to that hope and we should hold Biden accountable to his promises.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing we need to always remember is keep up the pressure so that it's a priority, right? Because I'm sure that they all honestly believe somewhere like, oh, yeah, we should do this. But if you don't put the pressure to make it a priority, then it's not going to be. And like you said, like the virus doesn't care about nationality, it doesn't care about immigration status, it doesn't care about, you know, whether or not you're incarcerated. We know that we need 70% of the country to be vaccinated before we can start returning to normal. And that 70% includes everybody in the country. Yeah. Regardless. Yes. And it, it just drives me nuts that people can't see past the end of their righteousness to just say, these are humans. They deserve this.
0: Yeah, it's incredible.
2: <laughs> just by being human. The only thing you need to deserve a vaccine is to be human.
1: Right. I think the virus would prefer people that are all together in one area. Like, "Mm, yummy. Let's go to a prison. Let's go to an immigration center. (laughs) Let's go (laughs) to a school. Yeah. And like, it doesn't care how what you drive or, you know, what your position is in politics. It's like, just really doesn't care. I mean, One of the things that definitely really concerned me about last, uh, was it just Wednesday? Was it just a week ago?
2: It was a week ago.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, About the insurrection was all of these Congress people, you know, stuck in a room together and sort of things that were coming out on Twitter about that some of the younger, uh, like newly elected GOP Congress people were refusing to wear masks. And lo and behold, so seven days later, now we're starting to see reports of people that were wearing masks that were trying to do their best to distance, although they were in this like critical security situation where they had to be in like a, a safe place like to protect them from, from this ridiculous mob, had to deal with somebody else's incredibly selfish and very misguidedly somehow it being about politics, decision to not wear a freaking mask. I mean, I hope, I'm really hoping it's just like a few people, but like the fear is that this was a super spreaded event that was essentially decided by the handful. And I don't even know how many there were of unmasked Congress people that were like, I refuse to wear a mask because I don't know what reasons people cite, but because it's, stifles my oxygen or whatever. Un-American. It's un American. It
0: infringes because on they America. believe in QAnon because they're they're brainwashed. It's a mess. It's a mess.
2: You would think that this of all things would show people objective reality is not aligned with what these conspiracy theories are that they are, they've got in their head, but it, it's still not. You know, one of the things that we try to do is really encourage our UBP listeners to take action, to think about the things that they can do to help. My question is, is there anything that we can do as, you know, UBP members, UBP listeners, to help alleviate some of these problems?
0: Yes, I think um, the most impactful way sometimes to make a difference is through money. So, so if you have any resources to, to give to to either organizations that are on the front line of um, some of the important work, or maybe giving to and to local campaigns, giving to voter registration efforts. I think those are some of the the more, more significant ways. I mean, a, a perfect example is just in Georgia, and uh, because of the work of Stacey Abrams and focusing her energy around voter registration and removing barriers and um, policies that were enacted specifically to suppress the black vote by reversing all that, we progressive thinkers, or or, or at least the left or the Democrats, we will now be able to have possibility of enacting policies going to be a lot easier because now the Senate is split 50-50. We were able to elect two Democrats to Georgia and we were able to win Georgia for Biden. And so if you are somebody that donated or can continue to donate um, to efforts to expand the vote. It can have real consequences that are positive as we just witnessed with Georgia and with the, with the presidential election. So number one is to give money. But if, if that's not something that you're able to do, I think even just sharing this particular podcast or other podcasts around unconscious bias or being informed around the role of unconscious bias and how that factors into a lot of the inequities that we just discussed. I think that's great. Maybe there's some books you can read. Maybe you can get informed on more of the work of the Unconscious Bias Project. Maybe you can seek out uh, other podcasters. I I like podcasts because it's such a bite-sized, easy way to learn. Uh, That's what I take away from it, so um, I, I recommend looking at the hashtag um, pods in color and you can expand your directory of podcasts by uh, people of color, You're looking at the hashtag support Latinx podcast and you can get other podcasts like like Tamarindo. So I think that's another way that's that's easy to... Um, get involved and all i would say even getting involved in local politics could there be for example there's like delegate races that you could either get involved in or vote for because more, a lot of people don't vote for those races so just think about all the places that you can vote and exercise that right and and that's another way that you can enact change yeah
1: and i thought uh one of the great things that um we we've talked a little bit about so far the voter voter registration and and helping people get get out the vote. Um, if you if you aren't able to donate, it's also volunteering for these groups. Uh, you know, much like volunteering for like a local election or to help local efforts to register people to vote. I definitely both enjoyed and felt I was really impacting uh, voter information when I in volunteering for the presidential election in Arizona. They really did need people that could speak in Spanish to uh, Spanish speaker voters, people that were more comfortable speaking in Spanish to educate them and help them find out where they could vote because there was no longer, you know, everybody wanted to stay distant. Where can you, you know, put your mail-in vote in? What are the deadlines? Because every single state is so different. And the point about the local elections is really great because a lot, the way the U.S. works even if it doesn't make sense, it still doesn't make sense to me, <laughs> as long as I've lived in the States by now, um, is very much decided on a local basis. It's just decided on a state-by-state basis. It's decided a lot on a local basis. So um, acting in local elections, volunteering, donating, organizing at the local level can actually have a very big impact. Um, so so thanks for all those tips. I didn't know about the pods and color hashtag. I'm definitely going to look that up.
0: Yeah, and actually I would recommend that this podcast be placed on there. Um so yeah, look into being part of that directory. Good, good point, good point. I've listened to your podcast and I love how
1: Anna Sheila uh talks about like the moment of calma, like okay, let's let's get into a little bit of calmness, let's try to resource ourselves. I really like how you integrate that into your podcast. It's like, it's part of the signature of Tamarindo. Uh, how are you recommending uh, resourcing for for Latinx people? What, what would you recommend as, as ways to, to keep ourselves resourced as we go through, you know, just as challenging or even more challenging times in 2021? There's
0: just so much, so much stuff going on. How, how do you all keep it together? Finding karma moments. I'm so grateful for Anna Sheila for introducing me to these practices and for introducing our listeners to more of these practices because they do make a difference. So I think there's so many different ideas and things to try, but I'll just describe something that I've been trying. Well, one thing that Anushayla does, and what I started doing, is this idea of journaling in the morning. I think with all that's going on, and we kind of we kind of uh, went through this through the recording of this podcast, of we could just t- totally spiral into all of the negative and all the bad news because the news is bad. The news is bad. So it, it, often we, the first thing we, many of us do is we look at our phone, and the doom scrolling starts. Right, you just get informed, but then you keep going and. Next thing you know, it's been 30 minutes and your body's tensing up. So instead of doing that, consider writing in a journal and starting your day with reflecting on the day before and thinking about the things that you're grateful for. And making that part of your routine before you check your phone. Um, that's one thing that I've been doing um for the last couple of weeks. And I, I do notice a difference. The central theme here is just to notice your body. So if your body's scrolling in it in your tense, time for a break. For me, the other thing that I was starting to notice is like just being wound up. I'm already kind of wound up, but just being extra wound up with with caffeine and realizing that um it makes me anxious and i didn't want to admit it because i love coffee but i've been it's been a week and a half that i haven't had it and i feel like i'm sleeping better i feel like less anxiety so those are a couple things and and i think both of the things that i described doesn't cost any money these are things that are just practices even as simple as setting a timer for 5 minutes and you're just going to just going to have like 5 minutes where you do nothing I think people are intimidated about meditating because for me, at least, I feel like it's elusive and I haven't been able to get it. But I could say I could sit down for five minutes and do nothing. <laughs> so try that. So those are a few tips that I would leave our, your listeners with.
1: Those are all really good tips. Um, I realized yesterday, I went to go take a shower. I realized like I haven't been alone with my thoughts in days. Like yesterday I realized like, oh, I don't have any music going. I'm not like listening to podcasts. My kid isn't just banging on the on the shower door. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I'm not trying to have a conversation with my partner while he's shaving or you know, like this is just me and I'm not thinking about work. It felt so uncommon that it scared me a little bit. I was like oh wow I haven't really spent that time with myself because even when I'm like exercising for example which I finally started to reintegrate again thanks Alexis for motivating me has been with like a YouTube video or like some other prompt right now I cannot engage in exercise I just I have no motivational energy to do those kinds of things so I, I try to integrate uh, some like tiny mindfulness practices into our, our work at least with our our general meetings or big meetings and when you run workshops, but these are all things with other people. Like personally, I take like 30 minutes every week to talk with like my mindfulness buddy, but it's like, we're doing things together. Like I haven't just, just done something on my own. And that's, that's
0: I love terrifying. It. How about you, Alexis? What have you been doing as your calma moment?
2: I'm weird in that I have always actually found exercise to be my quiet moment. I think that's great. And and that's doing like high intensity training. Because my brain for just like 20 minutes will just like shut down as I'm like, okay, the only thing that I can concentrate on is this. And that's it. But also like I recently, I think this was in December, I just started being much more mindful about how I went to sleep. It felt very silly at first, but like, okay, like close the computer and then do makeup removal and then take out my earrings, et cetera, et cetera. I used to try to like keep reading while I was doing that stuff, keep being on the computer, keep watching a movie while I was doing that stuff. And instead of doing that, instead of just saying like, nope, you know what? I'm going to shut down the computer and then get ready for bed rather than keep watching while I'm getting ready it has made a huge difference. I that's love that. Yeah. That and playing guitar. I've been learning guitar in the past year and learning that and trying to make time for that has been good. Even the days where it's been frustrating to just like sit with that frustration, i be like, okay, this is fine. My fingers don't want to work today and that's fine.
1: So one thing that we offer all of our guests is an opportunity to do shout outs and that shout outs to anybody, anything, podcast, book, movie, uh, people that have supported you, people that you want to, uh, you know, us at UBP and our, our listeners to, to know about, tell us what you're working on and what we can look forward to. Yeah, the spot's for you.
0: Yeah, well, I, I luckily I've had the opportunity to kind of give a couple shout outs throughout the episode. so maybe read Biden's book, check out Medium Guru there's so much. But I would say number one shout out is to um, Anna Sheila, my podcast partner, because I think she's fantastic and it's been such a dream to work together, and I love the community that we're building. and I love, as, as you as the listeners will attest, love the incorporation of calma and well-being. Oh, that's really beautiful.
1: Well, thank you so much, Brenda, for coming on and, and chatting with us. And I feel like we could probably even extend this podcast to like another three hours. As part of the closer, can you tell us a little more about what Tamarindo podcast is offering through the podcast itself?
0: Yeah, well, I think 2020 showed us that we are really great at building community, b- building virtual community. And uh, uh, Shayla and I have a really unique combination of skills because of her experience in, in the tech world and her experience in um, having gone through... Several startups and understanding this, that you know, entrepreneurship and small business, as well as now she's a leadership coach and a business coach and a well being coach. So she's kind of covers, covers that ground. And I have experience working with community based organizations. So anything around program development, strategic planning, board development, fundraising. Um, and it, I Tend to have a passion for civic engagement work. So, all of that, uh, and together, I, we want to also learn from unconscious bias on, on how we could be facilitators for um, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. So we're trying to grow and leverage the combined skills that we have as consultants. I, I have some experience doing um, digital media, I have experience yeah, doing um, editorial now. So there's so much that we could bring, and we'd also just love to be a bridge to the Latino community. So. If there are brands out there listening that want to connect deeper to Latino listeners, then get in touch with us because we would be happy to work with you. I mean, for example, we, we recently worked with Planned Parenthood to get the message out about the fact that you can get virtual services uh, without having the fear of leaving and going into a clinic. So for certain services, of course. Yeah, so that's the sort of groups that we want to continue to work with. So please do get in touch with us, and we'd love to partner. Uh, that's great. I'm so glad I asked the question because th- that, that seems really, really, really critical.
1: And we, we're we definitely going to continue the conversation with Tamarindo um, off of the podcast because y'all are amazing. We're all really aligned and um, we could use all of your skills that you've talked about. We just need more funding. We need more money. We need more more resources so that we can. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe we should talk like a, a second time to see if there's if there is more ways that we could do, we could further like deepen or do more with our partnerships so we can support each other even more. Yeah, um, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Thank you so much, Brenda, for coming onto this podcast and sharing so much of your knowledge, so much of what you've developed, what you've made, what you've collaborated on, the highs and lows <laughs> at Tamarindo, amazing relationship you have with Anachela and where you folks are going forward. Um, thank you
0: thank you so much this was a a lot of fun I want to leave listeners with um, knowing that they can reach us at contact at tamarindopodcast.com and and of course they can visit the website to learn more about us but thank you very very much
2: yeah thank you so much for being here
0: so fun I love it
3: thanks for listening you can find more information and donate at unconsciousbiasproject.org Dr. Lynette Mara, she, her, and Alexis Krohn, she, her, are your host. Seth Beckman, he, they, is your editor. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and follow us. We can be found on Facebook at Unconscious Bias Project, Twitter at UBP underscore STEM, LinkedIn, Instagram, or join our mailing list. UBP is a fiscally sponsored project of the Social Good Fund, a tax deductible 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you wish to sponsor us, please contact us in the Contact Us tab at unconsciousbiasproject.org.